right, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome to the Sean Steele Law Firm podcast. This is the first of such podcasts in the year 2023, and we are excited as ever to have our favorite Sam Collins joining us today. But before we get to him, I am joined by the ever funny and ever knowledgeable Sean Steele. Sean, welcome back to the podcast. Well, uh, thank you, Alex, and uh, you're welcome too. We like to uh, welcome each other. Uh, we recently wrote a book, and uh, it's called uh, The Chiropractic uh, Guide to Survival. Uh, but it's only for intelligent chiropractors. You notice that's how we label it. If you look at the bottom frame here, it also says there's forwards by billing expert Sam Collins. So if you want to be one, really one of the smart people to not just be able to handle PI, but to enjoy it, you better get one of these. They're really cheap. Just email me at seansteel at seansteel.com, and I'll give you a deal that you can't personally personally turned down. Not only that, it's an Amazon bestseller. Boom. So we'll get a little bubble on that shortly. Alex will take care of that. Sam is our most popular guest. Uh, Sam just keeps studying the stuff. He keeps it fresh. He keeps it alive. And he takes a dreadful subject that only chiropractors who want to be successful and thrive, how to bill. More importantly, how to get paid. That's that's our middle name. We, we do seminars called personal injury, how to get paid in PI. We believe in that strongly. Sam, we are now paying 96% of all of the chiropractic bills that we handled last year were paid in full 100%. I doubt there's a law firm in America that can claim that. Now, that's what we do. We talk to the doctors, we hold our hands, we make sure that they are they're the first priority, we make sure the patients uh, are happy, uh, and and, uh, and 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 support that because if you have a patient that's unhappy, he doesn't want to pay anybody. So part of what we have to do is hold the hands of the patient and the doctor. So we're really grateful for that. Sam, well, we only get we only get thirty minutes on this. We got to be careful if Alex doesn't take up too much time. Yeah, but I I mean you 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 almost you almost uh, buried the lead, and and I think it's an important point because we we just finished our annual audit of all of last year's cases. Ninety six percent. It's our highest percentage ever. Uh, we're usually in the high eighties percent of uh, of paying one hundred percent chiro bills. This year, ninety six. We were very proud. Ninety six percent of the time, we paid our chiropractor one hundred percent. I think that's. Uh, I think that's impressive. I'm, I'm proud of it. I'm proud to say that we not only teach chiropractors how to get paid, but then, you know, do it ourselves. Sam, we've talked, we've waxed poetic for three minutes. You've sat there patiently. Tell us what you see in the year 2023. What's on the horizon? What's coming up for you? What's coming up for chiropractors? Give us a little uh, preview. Well, I will say the preview is this. Personal injury is still the last place where I think you honestly get your true fair wage and payment. And I deal with seminars. I mean, I had seminars this weekend, hundreds of doctors at Kairos and Accus who come to a seminar and then they're going to, they fight me over, I joined ASH and I'm getting $30. And I'll say to them, that's what you joined up for. You're going to get 30. And I'm not trying to say anything necessarily bad. It just doesn't pay well. Why are we emphasizing that part of the practice? And I'm not saying it's got to be part, but I could take one personal injury case, in my opinion, is probably worth 20 ASH patients. So I think doctors have to look and go, you know, shouldn't part of my practice do this? And I'm not going to say it's every part, but why wouldn't you go to a place where you can get good, full and honest payment? I mean, where are you going to get $75 for an adjustment and $60, $70 for a therapy? It's personal injury. 
However, you have to know how the system works. And I think this is where Kairos get a little bit trapped because then they want to go out and say, well, good, I want to bill out hundreds of dollars for this service, but then charge another patient a pittance for the same thing. That somehow is not congruent. So you got to start to look at now, maybe a personal injury patient, you do a lot more. So by example, one of the problems I run into is how does a doctor resolve? How can I have a $60 cash fee yet when a personal injury patient comes in, it's $200. Well, if it were the same service, I would question that too. Right. But I would assume when you're seeing a personal injury patient, they're very injured. If someone comes in and gets a quick adjustment is one thing, but when they come in under that guise, I'm probably adjusting, doing multiple therapies. They've got a lot of underlying conditions. So you got to look at the overall basis of it. So I'd say where we're going for 2023 is making sure that doctors do a good job of analyzing their practice, where the patient's coming from, and quite frankly, looking at how are they getting personal injury patients? I mean, think of it this way. If someone were to Google chiropractor treating personal injury in your area, would your name pop up? Do you do anything to help promote that part of your practice? Do your patients know? Like, by example, I talked about it this weekend. How many people were involved in accidents in the United States over the last month? Considering our entire country has had crazy weather, West Coast included, think of how many of us in California know someone that's been in an accident within the last month. Statistically, there's going to be several. But I wonder, are they choosing to come to you? So my first point for this year is, what have you made available to you that people know? Like, by example, my dad, very early on in his practice, realized personal injury paid better. In fact, I realized that at 10 years old. Because one day I went, my this is not a joke. I went into the office with my dad on a Saturday. He got about $3,000 in 1970. In 1970, I can't tell you how much, that was like $30,000, I kid you not. And I literally thought we were rich. Like, oh my God, we can do anything. And my dad explained to me that he didn't make the 3,000 in a day because we got it all at once, but he did it over personal injury. And I thought, well, why don't we treat these all the time? So my dad emphasized that. So what did we have out in the window? He had, he treated personal injury, his business card. He promoted that part of his practice. He went out and worked with attorneys and other people that were looking for help that way and learned how to do a good job. So the first thing for 2023 is, are you promoting it in your practice? Have you built yourself a web of people to help you, whether it's going to be working with other providers. What about a medical doctor who's looking for someone for a chiropractor with pain management? Yeah. How about any type of provider or place you're going to go? Are you doing things if I look for you? So that's the first part. But I think chiros also have to look at <clears throat> what about my fees? This is something that I think sometimes we forget. Let's face it. <clears throat> if you don't raise your fees, no one will for you. So one of the things I do with our network members is once a year, I go over a fee review with them. Now, grant you, I'm sure you've seen some personal injury bills that make your toes curl based on the amounts, but I would ask a doctor, are they aware of the relative values and what one code should be re in relation to another? By simple example, if you're billing a 98940, that's your standard one to two region manipulation, your, your fee for a mid-level mid exam, 99203, would be four times that. Now, how can I know that so unabashedly? Because that's the relative value. The value of a mid-level exam is four times the amount of the adjustment code. So if I'm billing an adjustment for 75, that literally means my exam should be 300. And if an insurance is willing to pay 75 for the adjustment, that would be the point. So the first thing I tell doctors is market yourself, look at where they're coming from, and then start to look at what's going on with my fees. I've Are seen my fees fair? Or, or the same token, your fees could be ridiculous. 
You know, so you got to keep that yeah. balance too. There's there's two sides to that. But my general rule, Alex, and I've seen this in Sean as well, when I review a doctor's fees, I generally find most doctors bill probably eight to 10 codes. And I'm sure you would back that up. You'd say, yeah, Sam, you're about right. When I see a bill, I see the same things. Nothing wrong with that. We get it. But what I find is half the time, about a third, if not half of the values they have for those codes are undervalued. And they're just throwing money away. So that would be the first thing to look at. It's kind of turning on yourself. Where is my money coming from? And do I have the right fee? And that could be too high too. I don't want to say that, but chances are you've got some that are too low. Yeah, I mean, you, you I've seen you do the, uh, I, it sort of looks like a party trick when you say you'll play the audience and you'll say, well, tell me what you bill for a 98940 and I can tell you what you should be billing for every other code. Um, and And generally what you find when you do that is that people are, sporadic in their billing. They're not, it, it sounds like it, it for, to me, and I've heard you speak a, hundreds of times and I still don't entirely understand billing, but it sounds to me like they're all ratios of each other. If you know one, you know that this other one is 1.5 times that one, or this one should be four times that one, or this one should be half of that one. And so they're all ratios of each other. So, but I'm, I'm, I'm finding both from you and in my practice that, that a lot of chiropractors are billing sort of haphazardly. I bill $75 for this code and I bill $100 for this other one. It's like, well, that's supposed to be four times that. So why are you billing 100 here, but you're only billing 75 there? And so that you're, you're getting sporadicism. And I think that if they were to do what you're saying, which is to really examine what are those eight codes they're billing and are they billing them appropriately to each other, they would find hopefully that they're by and large underbilling and, and could potentially raise rates. The other thing I wanted to say is, um, Sean and I talk a lot about making sure your existing clients, the ones that you've been treating forever or the ones that just walked in because they've got back pain, know that you do PI. We think, we always say that the number one source of PI patients for any chiropractor are the however many patients, 100 plus patients you already have because of exactly what you just said. In any given month or any given year, some percentage of these patients are going to get into car accidents. And on top of that, some percentage of their their network, their sphere, their friends and family are going to get into car accidents. And if they know that not only do you treat them when they their back is acting up or when they hurt themselves playing volleyball, but also when they get into car accidents, you're going to be top of mind. It's why we have these pamphlets that say what to do if you've been in a car accident that we give out to chiropractors to leave on their on their desk. I don't think anyone's ever taken one of those pamphlets in 100 years. I see them collecting dust, but that's not the point. The point is it sits there and it lets everybody who sees it know, oh, what to do if I've been in a car accident? I guess come to my chiropractor because they do PI. Um, and so I think I think that that overall strategy of making sure you educate your existing patients is exactly what you're talking about. And that should be priority number one if you want to increase your PI practice in, in this year. Well, exactly. I think like the one you hand out, sometimes people would, I'll tell you what, I have an accident. And then you got to start thinking, oh, shoot. Do I have paper in the glove compartment? Do I have a pen? So I would tell people, take this and prompt them. Put this in your car. Just put it in the glove box. So when they're in an accident, they have a place to write this stuff down. And all your information is there because you're gathering all the data. But I think that's the area I find often I go, these people literally love you to death. But then when they get in an accident, they don't think of coming to you because you've never prompted it. Right. And you've got to think of, well, how would someone know? Like if, if you treat back pain, could you imagine a chiropractor that says chiropractor? Well, what, I don't know what you do. Well, tell me, what do you do? Oh, I treat sports injuries. I treat, if you tell me you treat personal injury, I kind of think like, well, think of it as an attorney. I've never seen an attorney go, I'm an attorney. 
I mean, well, yeah, but I mean, you're going to tell me what's your, do you do personal injury? Do you do like Sean often says, look, if you want to do divorce or workers comp, don't come to me, not a specialty. So we all have our specialty. So if you, I'm pretty sure you've had a few people in your office that aren't personal injury, but I'm going to be pretty sure the majority of your clients are personal injury because that's what you specialize in. That's right. And I look at a kind of go, why aren't we emphasizing this more? And, and by the way, we, we refer out, uh, we get all kinds of cases not involving PI and they figure we were lawyers, we ought to be able to help them. We do. So, it, you know, whether, whether it is immigration or criminal or, or divorce, uh, we, we have a list of, of attorneys that we have experience with that are ethical, uh, that, you know, we get good, good experience from. Same thing with chiropractors. Uh, it's funny how we have chiropractors that will do no PI because they've been burned or they're, they're in the cash only or, or, you know, they have a super specialty or they're working for a medical doctor doing something else, which is perfectly fine. Then we have chiropractors. That's a small minority, 5%. Then we have another small minority of 5, 10% that do only PI. And uh, those guys don't really need our help. You know, they've, they've got all kinds of deals swinging back and forth uh, all over the place. But the 80% in the middle, those are the ones that do PI. They like to get paid. They like not to be hassled. We help them a lot. That's our specialty. That's what we like to do. They just don't want to have the hassle. And, uh, and, and our job is to take the hassle away. Your job is to show them how to, how to bill and how to, take, how, to, how to take care of business. You mentioned eight codes for billing. Is that a problem or is that, is that, is that smart? I don't, I don't it, know. It, it, it that is, doesn't well, sound like a lot. If you have a certain type of problem, mm-hmm. let's say you go to a medical doctor, that's an obstetrician. I guarantee he or she are going to use the same eight diagnosis codes over and over. Okay. You know why? Cause it's pregnancy or not pregnant preeclampsia, you know, gestational diabetes. There's a lot of commonality so you would expect the treatment to be very similar. So it's it's reasonable that a chiropractor is going to probably do a model of care that fits that. So by example, let's talk about from a standpoint, um, let's say a chiropractor comes in, what's the first thing you're going to do with any patient? Examine them. That's going to be the appropriate E&M code. It's going to be based on level of severity, but I'd say for a car accident it would never be less than a 203 and more likely a 204 with occasional 205. So would those three codes almost always be the same? Absolutely. Your re-exams are going to fit within the same way. But then what are you going to treat? Well, I'm going to adjust someone. And then in the initial parts of care, and this is something to keep in mind, initially the patient's in a lot of pain. You want to do active but acute care, which means pain management, stim and massage. But then as they begin to progress, you have to start putting them into more active care. And I will tell you, I just got something from the State Insurance Regulation Committee, and it literally stated that the expectation for someone with an acute whiplash disease is to begin active rehabilitation or exercise as soon as possible. Now, that may not mean the first few visits, but it means they're looking for actively rehabilitating. And I would say from a pure chiropractic standpoint, that fits what chiropractors do. You're rehabbing the person, not just pain management. And the funny part to that to me is chiros want to continue doing a lot of passive care, which is not worth as much money, frankly, not as effective, and they fight you about doing it, whether or not it's appropriate. I'm going to tell every chiropractor, if you start focusing on active care, and that means exercise, therapeutic activities, neuromuscular re-education, those are the things that in the long term get better. If you think if someone goes to a physical therapist, when they go in there, that's a gym. They're working out. And chiropractors got to get away from, you're not going to a spa. 
to be relaxed. I mean, massage can be part, but let's shy away from, because frankly, I can do two units of exercises worth way more than massage. And I don't have to worry about it being a separate area. So chiropractors sometimes are our own worst enemy by using, I'd say, Cairo from the 70s, which is let's put on some heat and massage them and stim. That's fine. First couple of weeks, I get it and a lot of pain, but let's rehabilitate these people. Think of everyone like sports injury. You got to get them back to the game. Sam, let's break that down cost wise. I, I like numbers. Uh, so let's say we after a couple of three visits, we start in a, in a rehab business. What kind of a, what kind of procedures, what kind of bill uh, billing codes are you using? How much money? Let's, well, let's talk about it from a standpoint of relative value. Mm-hmm. Exercise has a higher value than massage or passive therapy. Okay. With that being said, massage also requires a separate area. And I know every Cairo listening has gotten that where they'll say, oh, you can't do a massage in the same area you're doing an adjustment. So you got to deal with that part of it also. Exercise does not have that provision. You can do exercise at the same time as manipulation, no problem. And reasonably, let me, I I would ask you, Alex, if I were to say, let's go to the gym, would you think going for 15 minutes would really make a big difference for you to get fit? No. It's better than zero. No, he would would like to believe that. (laughs) We all would. We all would. But what I'm getting to is a good exercise rehab is probably about 30 minutes. So would it be unreasonable to build two units of exercise almost every visit because exercise is progressive. It starts with low level, simple exercise progresses as the patient, uh, as the patient progresses. So you're looking at, let's assume you're charging around 60 to $70 for an adjustment. The exercise price is the same, but times two, no separate areas. And if you think of it, how long does it take for someone to restore strength? At least 30 days, 60 days. So that would put you in easily a 12 week, maybe even 16 week, depending on severity. So if you look at numbers wise, you don't have to fight the same area business. You don't have to fight the issue of it being passive. And it's much easier to see. And every guideline indicates the same. We all know that rehab is what's needed. When you've got an injured muscle or joint, it needs to be restrengthened. So uh, maybe a little in the weeds, but Dr. Barry is asking, how do you use the neuromuscular therapy code? She was told that it was for stroke patients only. Is that, have you heard that? Well, that's actually not true. It is certainly for stroke patients. So let me explain the difference. And in fact, I'll give you your three things. So this is a, a good one. You have exercise, which is your lowest level standard strength flexibility, but then you have two other codes, therapeutic activities and neuromuscular education, 97530, And people go, what's the difference? Let me give you a real simple difference. Let's say I have someone squeezing a ball because they have carpal tunnel. That squeezing the ball is to make their wrist stronger. That's exercise. But if I have them squeezing the ball because they have a job or they have a need to pick things up, like pick their kid out of the car or do something active, it actually makes that same movement a therapeutic activity, which is worth 20% more because it's focused on function, not just generically exercise. But now let's do the third one. Let's say you've had a person, they're squeezing a ball but they had an injury to the nerve root where they've developed weakness on that side. A true weakness, not just weakness because the muscles atrophied because of injury. That would be neuromuscular education. So neuromuscular education actually is exercise, but it's exercise directed at balance, coordination, proprioception. And if you think of a person in an accident, they've been atrophied for a while. Do they have a tendency to have poor posture? So neuromuscular education could be part, although I think most often 
most people are doing probably a therapeutic activity. And this is maybe the easiest way to explain it. If I have a person with a low back injury that I'm doing abdominal strengthening, just, you know, sit-ups, I would say that's exercise because the purpose is to strengthen the abdominal muscles. But if that person is strengthening their abdominal muscles, so it allows them to get in and out of the bed because they have a difficult time getting out of the bed, that same movement becomes a therapeutic activity <clears throat> because the goal is a function, not just strengthening. And the difference is, to give an example, exercise is worth what a 98940 is worth. And therapeutic activities is worth what 97530 is worth. And you think from a Cairo standpoint, when someone's being rehabilitated, it's not just about, oh, I want to make the area stronger, but there's always a functional component. So I would say it's a little bit of a stretch for neuromuscular education, unless there's a balance issue. It doesn't have to be a stroke, but there would have to be a balance coordination issue, which wouldn't be typical. So I would steer clear. And I would say this just frankly, uh, Alex, if a doctor doesn't understand the full definition of neuromuscular education, they should never use it because you would look, if I went into court and say, what is it? If I said, well, what's BAPS boards or what's vestibular? They, if you can't answer that clearly, don't use it because you don't understand it well enough. And here's the problem. Truthfully, as a chiropractor, we get 120 hours of instruction on physical therapy. Almost very little of it deals with those types of therapies. We do mostly with electrical therapies and I'm not putting that down, but you have to do more to understand that. And that's where I would say, that's where you got to come to one of our seminars where we can dig into it and tell you, well, here is an example of what makes it neuromuscular. It could be appropriate, but I would say that's not a typical one. Exercise, therapeutic activities would be more likely. Uh, and, and again, I'm, I'm just going to go back to the simple stuff because I like getting hard numbers out of this, which most billing guys don't want to do. And I totally understand it. What's a, what, what is a range of charges for the exercise? Well, you well know, exercise the first 15 minutes and the second 15 minutes. And which, a simple which analogy is to this. Yeah. Exercise is worth about 5% more than 98940. So by example, if you're billing a 98940 at 60, my price for the exercise would be between 63 and 65. But here's what I find. A doctor bills 98940 at 60 and then bills exercise at 35. And I go, why'd you do that? that code is worth more. So you literally have a code that has a higher value that you're billing less. So that always concerns me because I go, you clearly don't understand, which means I'm losing $30 every visit. Now multiply that for two units times 20 visits. And you can see that could be a thousand dollars. Okay. That, yeah, that, that's rational. Alex, we've got a couple of other questions here. Uh, I, I'm happy to see these. Oh yeah. They're just popping up here. <clears throat> Well, let's talk about codes. Well, in fact, let's do, let's talk about codes. Because one of the things, in fact, let me go and do this. So if you, could you give me a moment where I could share a screen, Alex? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Chiropractors have a tendency to code like they're a kindergartner. Now, let's, let me back off. I'm not putting wow. anyone down. Everyone knows my yeah, dad was duty. a chiropractor. I'm a chiropractic college graduate, blah, blah, blah. But we have a tendency to want to code too simply. And I always say, give me a code that gives me a better description. So what I'm going to implore all of you to do is you may not have a list of codes that are current for 2023. So take your phone out right now, hold it up to the screen, open the camera, and this will allow you to send a text. Wow. If that doesn't work, then simply just text the word codes to 714 280 four, six, nine, seven. When you text the word codes, you'll get a bounce back text that says, we would lo lo love to send you 
the 2023 codes. And what this is, is the 2023 diagnosis from head or you, from your head all the way through your lumbar spine, including trauma codes and personal injury codes. Because I often find doctors go, oh, I didn't know there was a code for that. By example, would it be better to code back pain or a disc injury? Well, obviously, if it's a disc injury, you want that. So be careful of coding symptoms unless you don't know what's causing it. So I want doctors to be a little bit better at coding. But also remember, you've got to code trauma. And I know you guys have probably run into this as well. When a doctor doesn't have trauma as part of their diagnosis, does the insurance company have a tendency to push back and say, well, we're not sure this is related to the accident. And so I'm not saying trauma is the only code you use but I want trauma to be indicated as part of it because it's gotta be there. And so the idea is that, am I giving a diagnosis that matches? So by example, if you're telling me your patient is severely injured and they're all the, I say, fantastic. You know where that's gonna be reflected? In your diagnosis. And if your diagnosis doesn't reflect it, then I don't quite frankly believe you because if it was severe, there's codes to match that. So if you've never really looked at that list, what are those codes? By the way, there's new codes for lumbar disc annular fi- annulus fibrous defect, which is common. What about ligament laxity? What about, you know, re- well, here's a good one. Uh, when someone has residual symptoms, does that increase the value of the claim if the patient needs to go to the doctor? Then I'm asking that to either of you, Sean or Alex. When someone has a, a patient that you're settling a claim, if they have residuals, is the case worth more than someone who is completely resolved? Of course. Well, so here's the problem. The doctor writes a report that says a much of mumbo jumbo about they're going to potentially have it. I want a diagnosis to reflect it. So by example, you're familiar with the lumbar or cervical sequelae code. Sequelae are the after effects. Think of any person that's been involved in an accident Sometimes six months later, they go, yeah, I'm still getting a little problem back here. Diagnose it. Is it myalgia? Is it fibromyalgia? Tell me what's going on. Here's what I will tell you. And I get this a lot. People call me and say, the attorney is cutting my bill. Now, I will say for Sean and Alex, they fight hard and take good claims. But when someone is cutting your bill, you know, the first thing I would tell you, what was wrong with the claim? What was wrong with your bill? Did you evaluate it? Did you give the proper thing to indicate it? Because if you give me low-level diagnosis, it's not—it's hard for me to say there's a lot of damages. Sam, we are very quickly running out of time. There's so many good questions. Can we do a, like a lightning round? Could you just yeah, try to- Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. All right, all right. Uh, they started a new patient exam at the end of the day and then it spilled over into another day. Should they bill it all on one day or two billing codes or how do, they, how do you bill that? Well, you can't bill an exam for one day that was done over two days. So you're going to build the exam on the first day. And then it was going to depend on the second day. What do you mean you're doing the next day? Generally, you can't unbundle. So you're not going to be able to build an exam two days in a row as a general rule. However, could there be circumstances? Maybe, but you're going to have to explain it because why would it be two days in a row? Because here what I would, I had a doctor once says, well, I couldn't examine my patient. All I did was treatment. And then I examined them the next day. And I said, hold on, put the brakes on. What you're telling me is I didn't examine to find out what's wrong, but I treated them and I examined them the next day. Yeah, no, this makes sense. This was a situation where I think it was at the very end of the business day. They only had time to do half. And then I think they did the rest of the in the morning. Uh, How would you recommend to bill a 99212? A 212 is the lowest level exam. And I doubt that's ever done in your office because that literally means someone hasn't had trauma. As soon as they have a trauma, it automatically puts the exam up for medical decision-making to 213 
or a, a 203. So oh, I would suggest that's that's a two, 212 would have to be something where it probably wasn't an accident. Yeah, yeah, that, that, that's golden. Okay, next question, Alex. You're doing well. I think we only have maybe one more. Um, how do you bill the initial EM consultation and ROF codes if the EM and consultation happens on one day and the ROF occurs the next day or another day? So this is a big Cairo problem. Cairo's love to do this ROF. And I'm not against it. I get why you do it. But exams include a report of findings. Counseling is part of it. So if you say, hey, I'm going to examine you today, and then tomorrow I'm going to explain to you what's wrong, that's all fine. You don't get extra money for doing that, though, because ah. it's part of the original exam. It's bundled into there. Bundling. So I'm not saying it's it's wrong for you to do it, but there's no extra money. So I would suggest try to do it all the same day, because now you can bill an exam based on time. Now, if you say, well, I don't have enough time, well, that's on you, but you cannot bill for the second day. It's considered bundled. And there, again, I don't want to say there's anything wrong. But there's no extra money. And truthfully, Alex, you've been around only a, sh a short time relatively now. But some chiros were taught, oh, good, do it that way because you can get more money. No, it's not worth more money. You're not getting anything extra. You're just doing it in two days. What they told you before, I honestly, was just wrong. Uh, this is bi this big. I, I want to go through this one more time, Sammy. Even though, oh, we're running out of time. I don't think we can. No, no. Uh, hang on. On this R on this R up, I think it's important. I think patients need to know what the findings are. I think they need oh, to buy it to the case. But that's got to be part of the ENM. And and rather than this just being a short examination, it's going to be much longer when you have a decent ROF. So you get paid better on the EMN code. That's based on time too. Day. Yeah. Okay. Well, so, in fact, think of it this way. If I take an x-ray today and I do the report and I go over the report with them tomorrow, can I bill for tomorrow's report? No, because the report is included in the x-ray code. It's embedded there. You can't just go, well, I talked about it the next day. It's all considered, you know, bundled or included. And again, I'm not putting down, but I would suggest do the exam in one day. Now I get sometimes it happens. Just understand that's on you. That Sam, there's no extra money for you because you ran out of time. And, and then and we're running out of time. And thank you for, <laughs> for giving me that segue. Sam, tell everybody where they can find you if they want to get a hold of you, if they want to come see you in person or on if Zoom. If they want to come it? see me, all they have to do is go to our website, hjrosscompany.com. I'm going to suggest we do a service and I've used, Sean's talked with me, we have, we've worked together a lot, where people can make me part of their staff. You can join the network, which means you can call me and say, hey, Sam, I've got a claim that's I'm being hit on that's being reduced. Can we go over how to fix it? And I can work with you one-on-one. -on -one. It's called the network. In joining it, you get two seminars, you get our digital, you get everything we do. And I actually do Zoom meetings with these members once a month, but I'll go over fee schedule reviews with you. I'll go over and audit your files to make sure everything's right, because I want to get it right before you do it, not after someone audits. So go to our website, Company company spelled in full.com, click on the network or click on any services, or just give us a call. Our 800 number is posted there. I won't read it here because you'll, you know, you're not going to write it down, but just go to our site. We're here to help. We're here to make sure you get paid. Your success is ours. Sam, thank you so, so much for being with us again today. We absolutely love having you on the podcast. Uh, Sean and I are speaking uh, all over California. Check out seansteel.com slash events uh, to see where we're speaking next. Check out the Intelligent Chiropractor's Guide to Survival with forwards by the billing expert, Sam Collins, uh, available everywhere where you can access Amazon.com. And uh, and thank you, everybody. Thank you so much for being here, Sean, Sam. Is, is this being recorded and we can see it in the future? 
It is, and thanks for reminding me to say that. It is being recorded. It will be put up on uh, iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, it will also be on iTunes if you want to see our beautiful faces. Well, fantastic. Thank you, guys. Take thanks, care. guys. we got to do a part two coming up. There's a lot of other topics we need to hit. And okay. we'll probably do one where the people send questions, and we'll do Q&A only. I like that, Sam. I, I, I got to tell you, we got a lot of questions we didn't answer. And Sam, I'm going to share them with you later on. But in the meanwhile, part two is coming up in a couple of months. Thank All you, guys. Right. Sounds good. Take care. Take care, my friends.